1: Welcome to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. Hi, this is Arjun. And it's truly a pleasure to talk to leaders from all walks of life all over the world who seek to win big. Winning is fun, but winning big puts us on the path to win big. And today in that spirit, it's truly a pleasure and an honor to welcome my VIP guest, James Feldman. James is a customer service expert who advises companies on how to build organizations that deliver on transformational growth and that's the part that fascinated me a lot is the kind of brands over the years that he has impacted and that is the part where over a 40-year career jim has worked with many fortune 500 companies industry leaders including mcdonald's disney toyota apple sears and microsoft on their hospitality side He's considered advisor and creator of incentive travel certificates for Hyatt, Marriott, Sheraton, United Airlines and more. And I'm really intrigued about the United Airlines part because my wife works in HR for United. And of course I am one of the very frequent flyers of United. So I must be benefiting a lot from what Jim has done. Jim, welcome to Secrets to Win Big. Thank you, for my pleasure. So Jim, at the very beginning, as I went through your background, I realized that you talk about a dramatic shift in the basic relationship between consumers and companies have been evolving in front of us to industry transformation that is going on. Can you tell us a little bit more about this transformation, please?
2: So clearly the pandemic was followed by lockdowns in many countries, many businesses. Client onboarding, marketing, sales processes, product delivery, Customer services have all been disrupted. And at this point, I believe it's a polarization. It's either great or it's terrible. We've lost the middle road. We've lost what was the general norm in customer service. So those companies that were well known for delivering exceptional customer service, in many cases, have either outsourced them, downsourced them, or made them technologically incumbent upon the customer. To resolve their own problems. So a lot of the customer service strategies have created emerging trends that keep reshaping the customer service experience. Hmm. And I believe as we get out of the pandemic, whenever that is, that the customer experience is going to be the new currency.
1: I love this. The customer experience will be the new currency. At a higher level, what would be a few things that you would ask us to look at in every industry so that we are not slipping. Not to be
2: argumentative, but we're already slipping. That's already occurred. So let me give you an easy one. Apple, under Steve Jobs, built their entire business on a culture. Mm-hmm. If you own Apple products, whether it be an iPhone, a tablet, etc., you have bought into the culture. If you own an Android or a PC or anything else, you've bought into the product. Mm. And so there is product loyalty And there's culture loyalty. In terms of the culture loyalty, what built Apple in the past is being eroded today. I believe if Steve Jobs was still alive, he would be turning over in his grave to see what has happened to the culture that he created. That being said, Apple is still a trillion dollar company. Mm -hmm. They are still getting much market share, but they're doing that on the heels of the culture that they built. And I believe that they are eroding... The new customers
1: and commoditizing their product. And you know, to me, sometimes hear wisdom like from you, and you reflect. You see the death by pinprick that goes on. Now you're taking back to early days of iPhone, and my daughter those days was a teenager, and every odd number iPhone that we got together on the first day, we even went to the mall early morning. And literally parked out there in front of the store with a sleeping bag and it was the people who were there the team members brought us not only coffee at 6 a.m three hours before the rest store would open but they also got us bagel choice of cream cheese different kind of screamers creamer and everything and it just felt the experience of waiting was as cool as getting that iphone I love what you're talking about is how buying into the culture versus buying into the product and how it's a deeper connection. You know, now let me talk about business leaders you work with. You help business leaders understand that teams cannot afford to be average. And you talked about also is the middle space is vanishing. Either we are great or we are just really poor. So what is your thought on, especially in current times, as you talked about, it would be a much more competitive marketplace. What's your advice to business leaders in this part? in this journey to win by focusing on being great?
2: Well, there was an old rule that used to be the customer is always right. I don't believe the customer is always right. What I do believe is the customer cannot be told he was wrong. There's a big difference. Mm -hmm. You may not believe that the customer has a valid concern, but in his or her mind, it's valid. So let me give you an easy one. If I want to place an order, I go into an 800 number, I'm typically responded to quickly. If I have a customer complaint, I can sit on hold for an hour. Mm. And when I get to that person, that person says, you've been transferred to the wrong department, and now you start the process all over again. And so what happens is each time the customer waits, Mm -hmm. in his or her mind, that customer issue becomes bigger. Here is the most valuable piece of advice I can give to anybody in the customer service business. Listen to the customer, repeat what the customer has articulated as their problem, and then ask one very simple question. What would you like us to do to make you happy? Wow. And 90% of the customers have no idea. <laughs> hmm. They have become so ingrained in the battle
1: that they haven't thought about the solution to their problem. I love that. I can see that to be a major bestseller by James Feldman. (laughs) What is the one thing you, customer, want me to do to make you happy? I love that question because to me, I'm just positioning as you were talking about and gave gave the amazing examples of the 800 numbers. And of course, all of them start by saying, please listen carefully as our options have changed. Like, really? I'm just thinking, if they ask me, Arjun, what can we do to make you happy? I don't know. Like I become like a little kid. It's like in a candy shop. What do you want? I don't know. Like, really, I love that. So let's
2: go back to what you just said. Our options have changed. Mm -hmm. My favorite one to listen to that is the telephone companies or Mm -hmm. anybody that's in communication. Mm -hmm. Your wait time is 26 minutes. Mm -hmm. Seriously? You're in the communication business. Put on more staff. If you really have peak times where people are calling, why aren't you ramping up so that the wait time becomes tolerable? And to me, the wait time that's tolerable is less than two minutes. Hmm. At the end of two minutes, my attention has gone elsewhere,
1: and I'm just getting angry. I think it's brilliant what you talked about is the very fact they're telling you, which means they're measuring, they're totally aware which means they are telling me that me making you waiting for 26 minutes, is totally okay. And that's the part where what they're measuring, they're making me also aware. A classic case of mine recently was I blogged about it. I wanted to cancel my satellite radio subscription. And what I realized was you cannot cancel on the website. You can do everything on the website. You can upgrade, you can get to better programs, you cannot cancel. And when I called, I had to wait for 22 minutes. That was bizarre that This is just like I am dating somebody. I want to break up with that person. And of course, you know, I have to break up means I have to tell her I'm breaking up with you. I have to wait for 22 minutes to break up.
2: Arjun, you made a reference to dating. Mm -hmm. The name of my book is called Dating Your Customer. I love that. And dating is really a very simple premise. Mm -hmm. Everyone remembers their first date Mm -hmm. with their significant other. Brush my teeth, shine my shoes, comb my hair, press my suit. But over a period of time, you get to know one another and Mm -hmm. you start to eliminate that first date syndrome. Pick up a movie and a pizza and I'll meet you at three o'clock. When we start to think that our customers no longer have choices, Mm -hmm. that's when we lose them. Now, let's go back to Apple. What is your choice with Apple? You either get Apple or everybody else. Mm -hmm. You see, everybody else is really faceless. Samsung, LG, Hewlett Packard. We don't know who and what they are. Mm -hmm. What has become very evident to me since Steve Jobs passed is Apple is becoming faceless. Mm -hmm. They have lost that personality. You and I are old enough to remember Lee Iacocca. Mm -hmm. He was the face of Chrysler. Other than Tesla, name me a company that has an individual attached to that company you don't so who has the best customer service reputation in the automotive industry bar none tesla who has the second and this will surprise you hyundai Mm -hmm. because hyundai came up from behind they modeled what honda did what toyota did what isuzu did wrong what mitsubishi did right or wrong what Subaru did right or wrong. And they started to apply that to see that if they could continually disrupt the customer experience in Mm -hmm. a good way, the customer would gravitate to their business. If you talk to a Hyundai owner today, I've never talked to one that didn't have a love affair with their car and their dealer. You talk to somebody
1: that's got a Toyota or a Nissan or a Subaru these days. It's just a car. Mm -hmm. And you know, what you're talking about gets more pronounced in the age of data. Without mentioning names, I had a high end SUV. And every time I walked into the dealership they would be on the monitor, my name would show up. Welcome, Arjun Sen. It made me feel great. One time, my mom was visiting me from India, and I took her with me. And the moment she sees the sign, she just feels so great. She says, wow, you have really arrived. They know you by name. They put it on a mini wellboard. I'm like, yes, mom, your son is cool. The next second, this amazing man walks into my car and asks me, what's the mileage? Why are you here? He doesn't even know my name. And my mom jumps in by saying, hey, no, 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 he's Arjun Sen. Arjun's name is on the board. This guy, think the brand did all this thing, cool things by making it very efficient to recognize based on my license plate, put my name in. But some person inside did not choose to use that. And if they just walked in by saying, Mr. Sen, you just walked, came in for A, B, and C. Is there anything else we can do? And stealing your thought." make you happy today i would melt like a little chat no no that's enough like that's good and three as you're talking about the hyundai experience i just think in the day of data it just becomes so important to go and follow it all the way i want to take this discussion to something very fascinating in your website where you urge companies to think inside the box when i read it for the first time i just like heck does this man mean of course knowing everything about you you being so wise and smart What is thinking inside the box and why is it important?
2: So let's use the proverbial box as the metaphor. Mm -hmm. If I hand you a box and I say, uh, you can have the box or $10, what are you going to do?
1: I will keep the box.
2: Right. If I say you can have the box or $500, what are you going to do? I need to know what's inside the box. There you go. You cannot make the decision
1: without knowing what's inside the box. I love that setup. The way you played with me, you got me there. Like for $5, $10, you're right. I don't care. I'm getting a box. Surprise is good enough, but you're right. I need to know.
2: So if you use the metaphor of the box, Mm -hmm. and we have been told for years and years to think outside the box, And the problem is inside the box. Mm -hmm. How do we come up with a solution when we don't know what the problem is? Mm -hmm. So what happens is we as a culture have spent time coming up with solutions that do not address the core values of the problem. If you go inside the box and you identify the problem, I refer to that as 3D thinking. Mm -hmm. So the first D is depth. What do we know about the problem? Well, we can see the components that make it up. So you move them out of their shadows and when we move them out of the shadows. Often the solution reveals itself. You can say it's simple math and I'm a simple guy. I tell people, I just apply uncommon common sense. Mm-hmm. An uncommon common sense says multiplication, subtraction, addition, and division will typically solve the problem. Add more, subtract more. But while you're doing it and you're inside the box, look outside and see if anybody gives a damn that you're working on the problem. Because if they're not willing to pay you for the solution, then what you've done is discovered a hobby. Mm -hmm. And I don't know anybody that makes money off of a hobby.
1: And to me, this is such a brilliant concept because I see that in politics, I see that also in corporate world. So many times we solve for a problem that does not exist. We all get so excited about this one thing which becomes the pet project of somebody, of a senior management or somebody else. We all rely, not realizing as you talked about what is the core challenge inside the box. Now, as we are listening to all this, what has been your inspiration? Like you have so much of wisdom from actual making an impact over the last 40 years. What has been your biggest inspiration that can put you on this path to where you are?
2: I love solving the puzzle because typically there is a solution to the problem and people just don't see it. So I tell everyone that I work with, let's start with the end results Mm 1st and then we'll work backwards. Most people start with the problem and work forward. If I know what the solution is, for instance, I need to grow hair. Mm -hmm. Your readers may not see this, but I'm bald. Mm. If you said to me, here's a tablet, here's a shot, and in 30 days your hair would grow back, if that was my goal to have a full head of hair like you do, And I could do it by taking a shot. Is the next words out of my mouth, how much is it going to cost?
0: Mm -hmm.
2: No, because I'm focused on the benefit. Mm -hmm. I often say to people, God forbid you go to the doctor, the doctor says you have a brain tumor, we need to operate it on right away. Is the first thing out of your mouth, I need to send out three RFPs to find the lowest cost provider? Mm -hmm. No, you want to know how many times have you done this? How many of the operations were successful? And how many people are still alive? Yep. rest of it is irrelevant. Why? Because you've only got one chance to solve the problem, and that's my life. Mm-hmm. The same culture needs to take place in the touch points and the approaches to customer service. Your example of the sign didn't trickle down to the implementer. Mm-hmm. That implementer should have been trained. Before you walk out, look up at the sign. Mm-hmm. Now, you may not know that the person you're talking to is the name on the sign. Mm -hmm. But if the sign says, here's the license number, the color of the car and his name, then you've been given enough information and you have no excuse. Mm -hmm. He's driving a red SUV and here's his license plate and here's his name. Now I walk up to you and say, thank you for coming back to the dealership. It's been two months since you were here. What seems to be the problem today? What brought you here today? Love that.
1: That's engaging. Mm -hmm. And of course I can't, Say it enough, I love your question. If there's one thing I take from this conversation and I'm going to use it every chance I get giving you credit is ask the question, what one thing can I do to make you happy today? I love that, I simply love that. You have changed my life with that. So here's (laughs) a bigger picture question. In any situation, whether it is about inside the box to or how you are seeing Apple to other brands, what makes you see things differently? Like how did that happen? Because I just find that leaders who start by seeing things differently achieve bigger results. So what makes you wired in this way to see what others do not see?
2: I typically am looking at the end result first. Mm -hmm. I have signs around my office that remind me of my own mantra, Mm -hmm. beware, of distractions disguised as opportunities. I'm constantly reevaluating, is it doable? Because to your point, if I can't take the image from that sign and bring it down to the man or woman who greeted you when you came through the service bay, I have failed.
1: What was the message
2: again? Beware of? Beware of distractions Mm -hmm. disguised as opportunities.
1: Please elaborate a little more on that. That's fascinating.
2: Well, we have so many hours in the day. Mm -hmm. We have so much fuel in our tank. You have to sit down and evaluate which are the elephants and which are the rabbits. Mm -hmm. I hunt elephants. Mm -hmm. I solve problems for elephants, not rabbits. Mm -hmm. I get very unmotivated when someone says, I need to hire you for my business. How big is your business? Well, I'm just starting it. Well, how big do you think it will be if you're successful? Oh, I think it'll be $100,000 a year gross sales. I don't get excited. Mm -hmm. I want somebody who says, I'm working on the next billion dollar project. Mm -hmm. It's like what we've just experienced with COVID. How many missteps have there been on delivering the vaccine? This is the message that should have been sent. If you do not get vaccinated, you have a 95% chance of dying. End of conversation. Mm -hmm. Now, if you don't care about that, let me tell you what dying is going to be. You're going to be put on a ventilator. You are going to become a vegetable. You are going to become less of what you were over a long protracted period of time. And ultimately, all of your organs will give way and you will die. Do you want to put your family through that? Your friends through that? You want to be selfish? Go stand in front of a bus and let it run you over. But don't drag the family through Mm it. I think the same thing happens in businesses. Let me go back to Apple because I'm on a campaign here. I needed a new computer. When I ordered the computer, I wanted 16 gigabytes of RAM, not 8. Why? Because all of the new software, needs more residual memory. Mm -hmm. You know that Apple does not stock anything in the United States with more than eight gigabytes of RAM? None. Period. Zero. Nada. You have to get it custom-made, and you have to wait for it. What kind of customer service is that for a trillion-dollar company? When I asked them how many people order more than eight, 16, 32, whatever, the guy said to me, more than half. If the customer is telling Apple that over half of the people want to have a computer or a tablet or a phone with more RAM in it, why aren't they stocking that in the country? It's because they have stopped worrying about the culture and they're worried about the carrying costs of that inventory. That is stepping over dollars to pick up pennies. There are two
1: see headlines of two books upcoming books <laughs> One is Hunt Elephants not rabbits. (laughs) And second is stop stepping over dollars to collect that one penny. I love this conversation. So if you could go back and find that young man graduating from college, what would be one piece of advice you would give to that young man, a younger self of you? find a coach find a mentor how do you choose the right coach when i'll be honest with you there are so many coaches and especially in the world where people don't have jobs everybody is becoming a coach so we all need to find the right coach there's so many people who are coaches especially when people lose jobs they become coaches what's the clue how do you find the right coach for you find someone who
2: shows demonstrated results Show someone that's got a history, a track record, not to toot my own horn, but when you go on to one of my websites, there's 150 testimonials from different companies. Mm -hmm. They all can't be my relatives. They all can't be my buddies. Mm -hmm. Some of them have said, without Jim, this would not have happened or with his guidance, this happened. That's what Mm -hmm. you're looking for. You're looking for somebody who could say, I've walked down this path, Mm -hmm. I've come up with a way. Let's go back to customer service. Customer service is not rocket science, Mm -hmm. period. In my book, I say dating your customer. Dating stands for dazzle, anticipate their needs. Treat them the way you want to be treated when you're a customer. Be innovative in your solutions. Nurture the relationship and guarantee that you continue to have customers. Here's what most people don't do. After they've satisfied a customer, they don't ask them for a reference. Hmm. When do you want your reference? After I've done something great for you. When is the best time to ask for the reference? After I've solved your problem. Hmm. It's like going to the doctor and the doctor says, it's $150 to fill a cavity. Oh my goodness. It can't be $150. Well, what's your problem? It's too expensive. Simple. I'll do it for 50. Did you want it to hurt? No. Well, the novocaine is 75 dollars <laughs> Did you want it to hurt when I gave you the novocaine? No. Well, to numb that is $50. So what did we just do? We had 50, 75 and 50, which was more than what I objected to in the first place, but now because you have focused on what's in it for me. So here's my next one for you. Every decision that you make moving forward should answer the question from your customer standpoint,
1: WIIFM, what's in it for me? Love that. Putting yourself in the shoes of the customer and understanding what's in it for them. This is a fascinating conversation. Is there something that you want to add that we haven't talked about thus far?
2: I think that we are looking for technology in an area where technology can only be a tool and not a substitute. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, if I have a problem, I want to talk to somebody that can solve my problem. And so I have always said whoever gets the problem solves the problem. Now, you may have to go elsewhere, you may have to elicit other assistance, mm-hmm. but take ownership of that problem. Mm-hmm. When you brought your car in for that service manager, he owns it, Hmm. he's the one to communicate, he's the one to give you the bad news, he's the one to tell you that they're gonna have to special order the parts, but he becomes your advocate. And until we go back to that touch point where you're talking to real people that can make real decisions, then those problems will never get solved and we'll constantly see consumer loyalty going down to price because price becomes the commodity. You and I know that we will pay more for great service. Mm-hmm. We just have to believe we're getting. You've got to listen to the customer. You've got to think about the implications mm-hmm. of a fact-based decision. Mm-hmm. You've got to empower employees, which is really, really going by the wayside. Mm-hmm. Every time you talk to an employee, oh, I have to get my supervisor. Well, let me talk to your supervisor. Uh, he's not working today. What do you mean you don't have a supervisor today no they're only here on wednesdays during the full moon of the eternal equinox hmm. you can't get to a supervisor anymore because nobody's a supervisor you then have to create new value for the customer. when i said to apple how long do i have to wait they said somewhere between three and six weeks i need it now
1: well wow. these are our rules you got to play by our rules no i want to break the rules and i love this whole concept and that's something i think recently when we moved from denver to houston I made the wrong choice moving with an aggregator. And finally, Thursday comes, nobody shows up. Friday comes, nobody shows up. And I keep calling them every hour. And it was fascinating that I felt, no pun intended, I was finally talking to God. There was nobody, no higher authority about this person. I said, can I talk to your supervisor? Not available. There's no supervisor. So who makes the decision? I said, okay, this person says some... Planner, I'm like, okay, but the planner works for me. I'm like, okay. I just felt when I just then enjoyed the conversation, thinking that you don't get a chance to talk to supreme authorities every day. But what the person didn't understand is once the move was over, I'm all powerful. I'm just going to make sure no friend of Arjun ever, and even if I have to pay to go to their city to move them myself, I'll make sure they never use this because that is the power that we have. And thank you for showing us this, each one of these. And I'm looking forward to your book and of course, future books, hunting for elephants and also jumping over dollars to correct pennies. This is absolutely a fascinating conversation. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to these incredible conversations with leaders from all walks of life all over the world. Happy listening. And this is Arjun, excited to bring you another conversation with another thought leader real soon. Thanks.
0: You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, top brand growth driver and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts.